Good morning, family. Oh, they're, yeah, they're having a great time at camp. And, and, uh, and, and God's doing something in our young people. I mean, our, our youth group, these, these young people are passionate about God. It's, it's wonderful to see, and, uh, and it gives you hope about the future. That really does. I'm grateful for that. Someone asked, um, because I, you know, it's oftentimes people ask, like, how long you've been pastoring at that church? And I'll tell them, and they'll say, how did you do that for so long? And I said, they just can't get rid of me. <laughs> well, um, you probably noticed, and before I get into our message this morning, um, there's things that's happening all the time. And and you know my passion, my, I really have a passion for, um, you know, just biblical prophecy, taking a look at current events and uh, seeing how they're playing out oftentimes that oftentimes are part of the fulfillment of what God tells us is going to happen in the last days. And as we're doing that, we, we could actually... I think we could probably teach every week on end time stuff. And there's some of you that would really like that. But I don't think it's, um, it's not the, the thing to do all the time because, listen, there's a way to live out in the last days. And uh, it has to do with all of the Bible. So, but um, when certain things kind of come up like they are at, at uh, I just can't help myself. And so... I'm not teaching on it, but I just wanted to bring up some things, and I wanted to give you some, um, maybe a little bit of help in, in, uh, in studying some of this on your own. Um, but there's been some, around the world, there is right now a real oppression of, uh, of speech, and Christian speech particularly, but um, speech as a whole. And, uh, you know, one of the most deceptive things right now is the idea of, squelching hate speech. Hate speech. Well, hate speech is anything you want it to be. And that's the problem. It isn't just hate speech. It's just speech. And uh, we're seeing things that have come up this last week. Um, an ex-governor of, uh, in Finland, uh, she brought up, a, actually it was a tweet. She tweeted about her church. The Lutheran church in Finland was supporting and, and uh, a, uh, a uh, uh, gay pride parade. And so she tweeted a scripture, the scripture in Romans chapter 1, about that. Just a scripture, basically, and says this is, and it was to her church. And, um, and she is right now up for, she's been indicted for a hate crime against humanity is the way it's termed. And, uh, and up to five years in prison for quoting a, a, a Bible verse. Now, um, even if she wins, who's the next one who's going to be willing to put out another scripture? I mean, this is the kind of thing that's going on. And the kind of oppression even of, um, of political speech. You know, in Turkey, there is a journalist that now is up for 11 years in prison because she criticized Ottawa, the, the president of Turkey and some of the leaders. 11 years for criticizing the president. There are people in this country who would love to have that kind of law. And, and you can see it. In fact, that kind of oppression is already going on, even in, in, a, you know, in our social media outlets right now where people are just voicing their view and they're being shut down simply because they're voicing their view that is different than the view of uh, the social media, uh, you know, controllers. In Canada, you saw what was going on there with the truckers. And uh, our neighbors are literally um, closing down the bank accounts of people who gave to support the truckers. So if you gave 50 bucks, there are people who have had their bank accounts frozen and, uh, and people are losing their jobs. Now, um, there's a strong movement 
And I am so grateful for the First Amendment. But, you know, Finland has a First Amendment that's just like it. And we have to understand that. And there's some things that I think the, you know, the church is the one to make the, the stand. It has to be the one who makes the stand on these things. And we have to decide what we're going to do. Now, I'm, I don't have time to go into more of that. I really want to get into our, our study. But I want to give you two book ideas, okay? Um, one is Live Not By Lies. It's by Rod Deer. This is, this is one. And um, he does a good job of what he calls, um, you know, really showing what he calls soft totalitarianism. And uh, it's not really so soft anymore, but it certainly is. And it's, it's showing up in our culture all over the place. And the other one is from um, one of our own, Al Houghton. And he wrote a book, Jesus and Justice. And I think this gives an answer to this book also. It gives a, um, the next level of where Christians can go, at, at least in their prayer life, and understanding the power that God gives us if we actually operate in all the, the things that God has given us in authority that we have. So I just, um, those are the two. And, um, and let's get into God's word. Let's pray. We've had some um, technical difficulties this morning. And so um, I'm going to ask the Lord for help as we uh, share the word. Father, I thank you. Ah, the peace and the truth of your word, Lord. It's such a strength to us and such a help. And today as we talk about the Holy Spirit, our ever-present God and and strength and power that has come to us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand and, uh, Lord, to grow this morning in your word, grow in understanding, and grow in experience with you, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is that he is God. He's the third person of the triune Godhead. That the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He is, a, he, is the spirit of, he is the Spirit of God. He is a creator. He is the one who actually brings salvation to us. And uh, we talked about the fact that if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, none of us would be here today. It was the Holy Spirit that brought us to the place that we are today. He is working in our lives. And so um, today I want to go, go further with that and what, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does for us. And then the next two weeks we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does through us. And, and that is a larger section even in the scriptures about what the Holy Spirit actually can do and does do through us in our lives. So um, what the Holy Spirit... Now, when, you, when, we, when we take a look at Jesus and we see the actions of Jesus on earth, what we're seeing is, in fact, the Holy Spirit working through Jesus. When he came, you know, Philippians says that he divulged himself of his godly prerogatives. He laid it down. He became a servant. And in doing so, he operated out of his humanity. Jesus was fully man. And one of the things that he was doing is showing us that as humans with the Holy Spirit and submitted to the Holy Spirit, God can do, well, he can do amazing things. And I'm not saying any of us will uh, achieve to the place of Jesus on earth, but Jesus responded. In fact, the way he responded was in submission to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit of God, the Scripture says, led him. Remember the story of Jesus going into the wilderness, how the Spirit led him into the, the, the wilderness to be tempted? He, he, the Holy Spirit led Jesus, and Jesus followed, in fact, what he saw the Father doing. It tells us in John chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Now, why? Because... 
he had limited himself intentionally. He became a full human. Not, not losing his deity. He, wasn't, he never was not God. He just laid down those prerogatives and operated out of the work of the Holy Spirit and Father in submission as an example. And not only that, because he was to die at, in his humanity. He was, he was to die in his humanity for the sins of the world and as one of us. So Jesus laid those things down. And the scripture says that he, um, he said, but what I see the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So he operated in submission to the father and to the, whole, and to the Holy Spirit in his life as he lived it out. So when we watch Jesus in action, we're seeing a human, you know, who is operating under the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the Father. And so, of course, the, the one instance that the Scripture is very clear about him doing on his, you know, as well on his own by his power was his resurrection. But Jesus obviously um, wanted to show us how to live out our lives because the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. And it tells us, um, and, and let me, I'm going to share with you eight things. You can go, well, how long is this going to last? Well, we're going to do it quick, all right? But I'm going to show you eight things that the Holy Spirit does for us. And there's more, and we, you know, the Scripture is so filled with um, important things about what the Holy Spirit does, and we're limiting it to four weeks of teaching. So we're going to move fairly fast in this um, and, uh, and then break it, these things kind of apart a little bit as we go further. The first thing is um, spiritual birth and uh, to be born again. That uh, is, well, Jesus well, made the statement to Nicodemus, remember, um, he said, most assuredly, in verse 3 of chapter 3, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Um, you, will not have, you will not see God's kingdom if you are not born again. And Nicodemus misunderstood that. He says, how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus clarified it in verse 6. He said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from. And where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So there is a work of God's Spirit that has to happen for you to be born again. You cannot see the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit coming in you. And that happens at salvation. When you receive Christ as your Savior, when you believe on the death, burial, and resurrection, the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you do that, the Holy Spirit comes in you and you are reborn. See, you were born once. And you, the, the scripture says we are dead in trespasses and sins. Our spirit is dead. That means separated from God. That's what death is, separation. Separation from God. And because our spirit is dead, it has to come alive. And that's how it comes alive. The Holy Spirit unites with us. We become one with Christ. And now we are alive in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. You see, what you were was a body, soul, and dead spirit. Now, in Christ, you're a body, soul, life, spirit. Completely different. And the Holy Spirit is in you now, and because of that, that transformation happens, and the Holy Spirit is the one who makes that happen. And he lives, secondly, he lives in us. In, uh, in Corinthians, two times, uh, Paul said, asked this question. It's kind of an interesting, seems like it's, it's, uh, it doesn't need to be asked, but it did. He says, do you not know? Because why? Because it was questionable. The way that the Corinthian church was living, was they were living like they don't know the basic thing about being saved, about our Christian life. The basic is, it, he says it right here, that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. He asked him, don't you know? What, why, why are you living the way you're living? Well, maybe you're living the way you're living because you do not know 
that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives in you. At least you're not living like you know that. Because there is kind of a knowledge that people can regurgitate, but the, the fact is that that true understanding, if you really understand this, how can you live in such a way that they were living, and maybe some of us are living, because we just ignore the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us. We're taking God with us wherever we go. God is hearing every thought in our head, everything we see. God sees. Now, that can be intimidating, but it can also be very comforting. You know, that he comforts us with, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's, it's intimidating that God sees everything, but it's comforting to know that the Holy Spirit feels everything we feel, that the Holy Spirit empathizes with us. Whatever we go through, he is going through it with us because he is in us. And that's why, you know, Paul writes about what are you doing if you're living in sexual immorality, that you're uniting the temple of God in such a, a way. Don't you know? God dwells in you. You need to live differently. He, he says in, in verse 19, chapter 6, verse 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, he's saying it again, same group, same letter, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Because the Holy Spirit is in us, we're not our own. We've been purchased with a great price, the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, John 14, 17 says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples before the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and they have the Holy Spirit in them. The difference between the Old Testament or the Old Covenant where the Holy Spirit would come upon them and the Holy Spirit coming in them and upon them. In a permanent way, the Holy Spirit would be not temporary, not at times, the Holy Spirit is now permanently in us, in Christ. He teaches us truth. And it says in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, he will teach you in all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. I think it's a real mistake not to invite the Holy Spirit into that process of learning in our life and be, and be listening to the Holy Spirit, the discernment of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit gives us insight. You see, what, one of the wonderful things about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit can take all this Bible knowledge and make sense of it. See, because you can have a lot of Bible knowledge and have no sense. But that, that's it. Well, that's who Jesus confronted, didn't he? He confronted people, religious leaders, who had a lot of Bible. The average, you know, the average um, Jewish leader in those days had memorized at least the, the Pentateuch and mostly the, the entire Old Testament in most cases. So they knew the Bible, but they didn't know the Bible because the Holy Spirit helps you in that way. So the Holy Spirit gives us insight to God's word and it, it, it doesn't discount knowing. You know, the, the, the scripture here tells us that those things that we've learned, the Bible says he brings to remembrance. So there's things that we must learn still for the Holy Spirit to have something to work with. But when we have the Holy Spirit and we have something to work with, well, now we have a fuller understanding of the Scriptures and fuller understanding of who God is. 1 Corinthians 2.13 says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And he gives us insight, and he helps us in understanding and even communicating. It tells us in Mark 11 that he, uh, Jesus has said, when you get arrested uh, and they deliver you up, don't worry about beforehand or meditate what you need to speak. But 
whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. So he says, there's a confidence that you can have that in times that you need, the Holy Spirit will be there to help you and communicate. And anybody who has had to rely on the Holy Spirit, you know, on, on a, especially on a regular basis, uh, uh, those that have come to the place that they are, you know, teaching and leading, if they have any sense, they're going to be relying on the Holy Spirit heavily. You, because that's where you, you get things. I, I, I think there's an advantage, and I just want to, and, and it's not that it's only for pastors and leaders and teachers, but the advantage is that a teacher who has to teach often ha- learns to, well, they recognize the sense of the Holy Spirit when he is working through them and when it's not happening. And when it's not happening, it's miserable. And when you're teaching and you don't sense the presence of the Lord in that, and you're just kind of out of your, you know, everything that you have tried to, you know, learn, but there's no unction, there's no Holy Spirit working, it just feels dead. It, and sometimes it really is dead. And sometimes, it, but it's not just for preachers. Have you ever been sharing your faith with someone, and, and as you're sharing, then all of a sudden, like, you're on, you feel like you're on your own, and then all, people will say, and all of a sudden, they feel the sense of the presence of the Lord, and then they're communicating, and they're going, where did that come from? Well, you, you, and let me tell you where that came from. It came from the Holy Spirit. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Or you're in ministry, you're ministering in some way, and you're, you know, you're operating because you've been given a gift. But even if you have a gift given to you by the Holy Spirit, when you come to that place where your abilities have limits and you sense the presence of God because you're relying on him, you see the difference. You know what that is. And that's the Holy Spirit working in you. The Holy Spirit wanting to communicate through you. It's a gift that comes from God. It's the Holy Spirit, and he's in you to do that in your life. That's why I believe that a Christian will never, never even come close to their potential until they do more than they can do. Until a Christian stretches their faith to move into an arena where they cannot like comfortably do it on their own, but they have to rely on God. They never really experience that experience that is so life-changing. It's life-changing when you step out of that comfort zone in your life and you step into a realm where you have to rely on God and you find God is there. That's the Holy Spirit working. And Christians that don't do that, they spend their life in this comfort zone and never experience the wonderful power that is available to them in, uh, that comes by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray. We talked about this. Uh, the, the scripture is in, in, or one of the scriptures is in Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Now, how many would say, I- I'll go for that? I need, God, I need his help in weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Everyone's experienced that, right? Haven't you? You don't know what to pray. You don't know how to pray. You have, you, I, I had a, a, a childhood friend, a guy I grew up with this last week, um, you know, t- I talked to, and the doctors have given him just, a, you know, a few months maybe to live. And, uh, and I didn't know how to pray for him. I mean, I do and don't. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor. I know to pray for God's touch. I, I know how to pray for healing. I've seen God do miracles, but there's still something missing. And, uh, and God has given me a gift, and that's the gift of tongues. And I've used it, and I began to pray. And then I started praying in, in my understanding and the flow of the Holy Spirit. And I felt, I felt the peace come, and he felt it. And uh, I've been in those, case, those places so many times in my life where I just don't know what to say and don't know what to pray. And I'm grateful for the Holy Spirit who helps you in those times. So it says the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered or articulated. 
These are groans that cannot be articulated. You cannot. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he is interceding. We talked a little bit about that. But the Holy Spirit, we can rely on him to help us when we're praying. And uh, when you, you say, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. Okay. Ask God to help you and start. That's, that's how you get there. I mean, if you don't start, how can he help you? Right? So you, 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 you don't know what to pray, but you just start, and you ask the Lord to help you, and you listen, and the Holy Spirit will help you as you pray. That's what he does, and he does it well. He, he, he convicts us of sin. <sighs> that's a tough he does. The, the, the scripture says, in fact, when Jesus was saying, it's better that I leave, that the Holy Spirit comes, he says in verse 8, then he, after that he says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, and judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So, conviction carries the idea of to expose or refute or convince. And the work of God is conviction of the Holy Spirit. And there is a difference between Holy Spirit conviction and satanic uh, condemnation. And, and sometimes people get lost in condemnation and aren't able to discern. Listen, conviction of the Holy Spirit is leading you to Christ. Condemnation is leading you away from him, you see. Judgment from the, the enemy is always going to, is always to, uh, for driving you away from God. It's, it's Adam and Eve in the garden, running from God, hiding from God. That's what that does. But what conviction is, the Holy Spirit work, is the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to, is the goal. I mean, we still have a choice and, and, and a willful choice, but the work is so that you will turn toward Christ and you'll look and those things in your life will, can be, de, you know, demolished out of your life that need to be as the Holy Spirit convicts us in our life. And those, you know, that conviction, that work of the Holy Spirit is precious. It's wonderful. It's to help us to move forward. You know, he is called the Holy Spirit. There's a reason for that. His, because he is, he, he is making us holy. He's making us set apart unto God. And part of that process is turning us and making us more like Jesus. And so here's the question. Is the Holy Spirit working in your life? Let's just ask this one. Last year at this time, were you more like Jesus or now? I, I, I don't know, I, you know, can you answer that question even, but um, it's convicting. Yeah. This is what I, disco I discovered just, I, look how this, I know I I'm, I'm shouldn't, um, I am uh, exposing my ignorance. But I realized something um, just a couple weeks ago that when I'm in a hurry, I expect everyone else to be in a hurry. And when I'm not in a hurry, I expect everyone to just cool out, you know, just, just, just chill out a little bit. That's, yeah, and it's probably not the best way to operate life. Yeah. And you're saying, wow, Rick, you're really a mess. And you, haven't, you don't even know. I won't, uh, I won't go down that road. But I tell you this, the Holy Spirit is precious in helping us in our life and, uh, and making us more like Jesus. There's, there's fruit as a result of the Holy Spirit. We won't go into the detail of it. Many of you know it in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23, where it's, this is what the Holy Spirit is producing. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Those, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the fruit of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is there, it's like, a, it's like a fruit tree. You have a fruit tree. How do you know it's a fruit tree? It produces fruit. If it doesn't produce fruit, it's not a fruit tree. Right? I don't care if it's called an apple tree, but it doesn't give you apples. I had an avocado tree that never produced avocados. It was not an avocado tree. I bought it as an avocado tree, but it never really was one. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit gives us direction. Direction. He tells you things. John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. I love that little phrase right there. He will tell you things to come. Holy Spirit can give you advance notice of things. The Holy Spirit can, can help you interpret things as they're going, you know. Some of you are thinking, man, that would be great in the stock market. But I don't know that it works there. (laughs) But it works in our life wherever we are in need. About, I see it was almost 18 years ago. My doctor had told me that I need to... I need to get a Roto-Rooter job and check out things, okay? And um, I said, I, well, I'm fine, Doc. I'm really healthy. And he said, no, you need to do this. And I said, okay, 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 okay. Well, he set up a, a date for it, and I, I uh, called. I was busy. I have a lot of things to do in life. And so I called and I said, um, I, have to, I need to postpone this. And let's move it back another three or four months. And so they moved it back three or four months. The time came again. And I, I uh, still busy. And so I said, I you need to move it back. I called again. Moved it back another three or four months. It came to that time. Yeah, I did it again. I know some of you are going, Rick, you're an idiot, but I did. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just another three months. Okay, three months, we'll do it. That time came, and I just don't want to do it. Let's face it. And so I call up to, to postpone it again. And when I went to pick up the phone, I heard this voice say, don't you dare cancel that. I knew where that voice came from. I have heard it before. And I, I went, oh, wow, because it was strong. So I go get checked. And the doctor says, if you would have waited three more months, the cancer that was in your colon would have burst through, and uh, we'd have, you'd have had some really big problems. They were able to get it all, no problem. It was over in like that. But at that point, I'm thinking, what if I would have missed that? When the Holy Spirit said, what if I would have missed that? You I, I say, well, why didn't God just heal you? He can. Yeah, he can. I don't know. I, I don't understand that process that always goes. I've seen God do incredible miracles. I've seen healing. I've seen people. In fact, several times when people had, were filled with cancer and given but weeks to live, have it completely healed. I've seen it. We've seen it. In church, we know people that that's happened to. Isn't that right, Steve? We, we, we know that that happens, but we don't know all that God is doing. But what we do know is this. I better listen to the Holy Spirit when I have an opportunity and I'm listening. And he speaks. I need to respond. He, is, he knows what's going on. And I, I wish I was more sensitive, and I want to be more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in my life. And that's a choice that we have to make. Are we going to listen to him? He gives us direction. He will tell you of things to come. It says in, in Acts 13, 2, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called you. And that is 
the, hearing the Lord and giving direction from the Lord. And the church has to be sensitive to that. The church has to be willing to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. He hasn't stopped speaking. If we're not hearing him, it's because we have stopped listening. He empowers us to be witnesses. It tells us in Acts 1.8, Jesus had said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be witnesses. Now, now it's, the Holy Spirit empowers us to witness, but that's not what this is saying. This is saying the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. We're witnesses of him, and that's who we are. And God is work, wants to work through our lives, and for us, it is all of our call. Our call is to be witnesses of Christ. Everyone is called. And if you have the Holy Spirit, he is working in you, and if we'll be available, God will use you in that way. And he gives us gifts, and, uh, and that's the last one. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for, for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things distributing to each one individually as he will. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about these a little bit more detail. I want you to notice that these are what is often called the miracle gifts or the, the verbal gifts that are given. And I want you to notice this phrase at the beginning. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given. This is, these gifts are a manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And and there is, what, what you, we see as we look at the gifts uh, given, that we see that there is a public um, presentation of the gifts. The, the Bible talks about that, but it also talks about the private blessing of the gifts in our life as well. And so we'll take a look at both of those. But what this is, is a, he says this is a manifestation of the Spirit, this is, this is where the Holy Spirit is, well, the Holy Spirit is getting seen through us. There's a manifestation of the Spirit in these gifts when they are um, allowed to operate in, uh, in the body of Christ and in the individual, and they're a wonderful gift from God to us, and we'll take a look at that. I want you to know that you have... You have been given gifts by the Lord. If you're, if you're a believer, you, were, you received the Spirit of God, you have a gift. Or more likely, you have gifts. There are many gifts. And there's a list of them that we, we were able to look at here in, uh, in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians and Ephesians 4 as well. So these gifts are wonderful gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. And... And these gifts are to be used in our life. And we just say it like this. You are a 10 at something. You're really, really good at something. And, and maybe you have several. And you're really, really good at several things. And they're spiritual gifts, okay? And they operate in the natural, but they're spiritual gifts, and you're really, really good at it. And you can't be prideful at it because you didn't earn it. You say, well, yeah, I worked hard, some of the things. Yeah, you might have, but even that was a gift from God. All of it's been a gift from God. And so there's no place for boasting in this, but there should be a pursuing. The Bible says pursue spiritual gifts. Pursue. There's, there's gifts to pursue. And uh, we'll talk about them because they're for the benefit of the body of Christ. And if you don't know what your gift is, I, I hope it's only because you're a young Christian. If you don't know and you've been around for a while, well, you're, you're behind, you're behind, okay? There, you need to speed up. There's some things you need to learn, 
about this and, and your giftings because they're a gift from God and God wants you to operate in them. And if you're not operating in them, then you're living your life without experiencing all the full power that God wants you to experience. And listen, this is where faith is really encouraged by God. That when you step out and you say yes to God, whatever level, at whatever point, when you do that, you start to experience God in ways that increases your faith. Listen, when you're not, I'm going to when you're not operating and serving Christ in, in, in pursuing, growing in the Lord and in your faith, I want to tell you, your Christianity is boring. And it won't, and, and you, you won't, that kind of boring Christianity, I, listen, you're going to struggle. There are a lot of Christians, they're, they're their Christianity is so stinking boring and it should be the most exciting and the most dynamic thing in the whole world. You're following Jesus. You're following the, the, the creator of the universe and he has plans and purposes for you and you're living some boring Christian life where you show up at church once in a while and you know you pray when you really need something and you want your, your food to be blessed. And that's the extent. You don't see miracles. You don't see anything in that kind of life. Of Christ- the Christian life is a d- dynamic. And when we enter into a powerful kingdom that has a, that has a king who has a, uni- a universal purpose and, uh, and has plans for each of our lives to enter into that is well, moving along the kingdom of God. And that's what God has called us to. It's not so that we can just get something better tomorrow. It's so that we can live in the dynamic of relationship with the living God and pursue him with all of our hearts. That's what God wants for us. That's what God wants for you. How many are in for that one? You in for that one? I'm in for that one. I joined, that's what I joined for. Right? I joined for that. I, I didn't join to just kind of, I, I did that, kind of go to church every once in a while and just call, call upon God when I was really in need. That was, that, I lived that one. There's not much to that. There's not much to that. But as you pursue and say, Lord, I want to be everything you want me to be. I want to do what you've called me to do. Hey, I kind of want to enter into this battle. I want to be a soldier in your kingdom. Well, that takes a lot. Boot camp can be devastating, right? But he'll bring you through. And he'll bring you to a place where um, at least you're carrying around a rifle, you know? You can do some damage. Well, Father, thank you. For the gift of your Holy Spirit. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, each and every one of us, Lord, to be aware of the sense of your presence in us every single day, every single moment, Lord. Thank you that you have entered into our lives permanently. And that, Lord, we would, without... Um, hesitation Lord just respond to you every opportunity we want to do that I pray for anyone who's here and has not given their life to Jesus you need to be born again and if you'll put your faith in Christ I believe the Holy Spirit is drawing people right now even people who are watching online people in this building and the Holy Spirit is just saying to you you need to give your life to Christ you feel that drawing I, I pray that you'll respond to that You'll confess the fact that you are a sinner. You need a savior. And you'll say to Jesus, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I believe in you as my savior. I ask you to cleanse my soul. I believe you died for my sins and you were buried and conquered death. So Jesus, I surrender myself the best I know how, Lord. I ask you to help me. But today, I choose you, Lord. I choose you over me. I choose you, Jesus.
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing can compare your living hope. Your presence. I tasted and seen the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone to your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come fly this place and fill the atmosphere your glory god is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence lord your presence Nothing worth more than it ever come close. Nothing can compare your our living hope. Yes, you are. It's your presence, Lord. Oh, I've tasted and I've seen. I've tasted and seen. Sweetest of love, when my heart becomes free and my shame is under. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it's your presence, Lord. Oh, in Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come
Spirit, come. We invite you here. We open our hearts to you, God. Come have your way. Come have your way. Jesus. Let's not rush out of here this morning. Let's take a minute. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill us fresh and anew, to show us, to reveal to us, to teach us. We want to respond to the word and the presence of God this morning. Don't you want to respond to that? God, do a work now in our hearts, in this moment today. Do what it is you want to do. Do what it is you want to do, God. We surrender to your will and to your presence. Jesus. Come heal and mend the broken places today, Holy Spirit. Come to the dry and desolate places of our hearts and bring the living waters of your presence to fill us today. Bring rebirth, God, to the things that have maybe died in our lives and our hearts today. God, bring fresh vision and passion, God, to those places where we've lost hope, where we've become in a place of despair. God, bring joy, Holy Spirit. Bring joy to the places of despair, God. And bring faith and courage to the places of fear, that have developed in our minds and our hearts. We, we breathe in the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us afresh and anew today. Restore that which has been lost in us. Convict us, God, where there is sin. Make us holy as you are holy. Make us a church who's holy as you are holy, God. We seek your face. We desire you. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become 
more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become Yeah. 